Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Casting for Spanish in the Springtime. I'm going to be talking to Captain Noah Link of Noah's Ark Fishing Charters out of the Harker's Island area. We're going to be talking about when to go, what to look for, types of areas to focus in on, what to throw, and then how to ultimately hook that Spanish mackerel on the cast. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools. And here in our latest and greatest effort, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. And in this endeavor, I'm joined, just as I am in every episode, joined by Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, here we are, still in springtime, getting ready to talk about a Spanish mackerel. Hey, what's up, Gary? Yeah, man. I- I'm excited. You know, we had a you know a Benito uh, episode a couple weeks ago. That was great. Got me fired up. So I'm sure this one is going to get me just as much fired up about going out there and catching some fish. So I'm excited, excited about it. So, yeah, man, Noah does a lot of it up there. I'll say up there cause I'm in Wilmington up there in the Harker's Island area. And, you know, again, like his style, you know, certainly he's not above trolling, but much prefers the casting technique. And so he's going to walk us through. I mean, I, my understanding is this happens spring and fall, the most, the best casting opportunities, but, you know, just to get as specific as possible, I'm going to focus him in, focus him more on the springtime Spanish fishery. Yeah, man, I should get everybody excited, get them fired up even more and go out there and knock it out. And so I do want to jump real quick to our sponsors and thank them very much so we can get to Fishing Talk, but Marine Warehouse Center, and then also Bland Landscaping Company. So Bland Landscaping is looking for some good people to come work for their company who are looking for a career change. They are looking for people who love the outdoors, who want to get up early, get to work early, get off early, go get on the boat, do all the things that you listen to this podcast and you wish you were doing. Uh, they want to make you give, get you there, get you paid, and get, get you on the water. Uh, so we really appreciate those guys sponsoring the show. Kurt and his team are awesome over there, so we really appreciate them. And then we also have Marine Warehouse Center, uh, and they've been a sponsor since episode number five, which we really appreciate them. I got a quick message from them, and we'll be right back. In Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. There you go, Gary. That's yep. your that's your crew taking care of your boat. Got you on the water this year already. Yeah, man. Excited. I'm excited for the year. Got confidence in my boat, looking good, running good. And uh, yeah, man. Whenever I stop by there, the place is just a burst with energy, man. You can tell it's springtime. You can tell spring is in the air. Just stop by Marine Warehouse Center. Now I'm just stopping by Wilmington. I haven't had reason yet to drive to Charleston, but I need to find that business reason, pull out the business card and pay for a trip to Charleston and check out Marine Warehouse down in that area as well. 
Yeah, man. Sounds good. Boats and jokes, ladies and gentlemen. Go buy you a boat and Terrell will tell you a joke. <laughs> well, Terrell will try to tell you a joke. Again, you are a much more kind audience to Terrell than I am. Um, I'm here to tell you what he gave me and maybe you're a fan and maybe you're not. But this All is, right, we'll again, see. this is Terrell's joke, not mine. Why did the students get on the boat? No idea. Well, they wanted to get their scholar ship. <laughs> That's a money joke right there. Ringing money? the register. Is it? Is it That's going to bring people into Marine Warehouse. I know it. That joke right there. It's ringing the register. <laughs> By all means, visit Terrell and help him out. Please, I'm asking you to visit Terrell and, and help him out. <laughs> well, I'll help you out, Garrett. I'll show you a fish picture. We'll take your mind off that bad joke that Terrell just told. <laughs> All right, we got uh, we got Jay Winters from Durham. He caught a 2.3 pound Spanish mackerel on a three quarter ounce Big Nick Spanish candy while fishing the the Causal Beach Surf. A uh, good looking fish there. So there you go, Gary. That's, yeah, uh, man, it's that time. It's that time, man. Fishing photos, fishing action. And speaking of fishing action, this is where I plug our new project, Billy and I's new project, Weekly Fishing Reports, a la Fisherman's Post. Now, it's on it's on the website only, not in print. And it's behind our member press paid wall. So we are asking you to pay for this premium content, but you will get weekly inshore fishing reports. So in this first year, we're not able to offer nearshore, offshore even surf and pier. It's talking to some of our best inshore guide friends, weekly delivered in video and audio format. Right now we have a charter membership special, 50% off the normal annual rate. So for only 50 bucks, man, you can get a year's worth of weekly fish reports. We're going to handle it a little bit differently from November to March, but you get the idea. Weekly fishing reports on the website, delivered audio, video, and we have been selling those charter memberships. It is clear that Billy and I have struck what people are wanting. More fishing reports more often. Yeah, man. Fish fishing reports. Um, well, actually in Fisherman's Postman, it's always been a big staple. So it was no surprise that people were like, hey, sure, we can get them in a different format and multiple formats, then uh, we like them. So yeah, we're working hard to to do audio, video, bringing the same great quality and you know, content and as we do here on the podcast. So yeah, man, excited to to get into that and appreciate everyone who has signed up already. Uh, you know, it's awesome to to see people get excited about this project and, and want to be a part of it. So don't miss your opportunity to get that discounted price because it's uh, yeah, that's silly. I told Gary, Gary, you're so silly for giving that away for half price. <laughs> no, it's good. We, want, man. we wanted to test the waters, man. We wanted to make sure we were on to a good idea, and clearly yeah. we were. I mean, actually. I mean, I'll give you the charter membership idea. I mean, it's a good one. And and again, those guys yeah. not only get half price this year, but they'll get that every year they renew. They stick at that price. So that is a sweet deal that we came up with for the people who are willing to support us early. But right Absolutely. now, where the pressure is, is it's on Billy, because this is where I remind you of Billy's best I'm takeaway. Ready. After my conversation with Noah, coming back to you for Billy's best takeaway. But right now, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show Captain Noah Link, Noah's Ark fishing charters out of the Harker's Island area here to talk about casting the Spanish in the springtime. Noah, enjoy every time we're together, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a fishing school, whether it's a boat show. Enjoy your energy. Enjoy the friendship. How you doing? 
Doing great. Doing great, Gary. And uh, once again, it's great to be with you on the show and uh, looking forward to uh, talking about some uh, spring fishing. I'm going to I'm going to add a note that Billy and I are proud of you that you successfully connected <laughs> without your IT friend in tow in the background. You That's did right. it all by yourself. You even troubleshot a couple of matters and look at us. Here we are engaged <laughs> in the podcast without Noah's IT friend. You still have two yeah, questions we... though. Are you ready for question number 1? Go for it. Why should anyone listen to anything you have to say about a Spanish mackerel? Well, um, basically, I've been catching Spanish for a long time. And um, most people, when they think of catching a Spanish mackerel, they think of going out and trolling a spoon, you know, behind a, say, a 4 aught uh, pen senator or a TLD and uh, using, uh, say, a number three planer, which is basically the only reason for the rod is to support that big planer and um i personally like catching them casting on light tackle finding the big schools of them feeding and uh just creates so much more excitement and it's a whole lot more fun than catching them trolling to be honest with you so and you know i've been doing this a long time i've got a lot lot of good bait that i have tested for new I had a good experience in uh, spin casting for the, uh, the spring and, and fall Spanish mackerel, for sure. Man, that is an acceptable answer to question number one, which qualifies you for question number two. <laughs> question number two is actually a trivia question. We're going to text your trivia. And again, uh, once again, I think I played off of Noah's Ark. So this is a Noah's Ark trivia question. You ready? What kind of lights okay. did Noah have on his ark? Uh, I don't know, uh, stars. I, no, it meant he actually had floodlights. He had floodlights on the ark. <laughs> See what I did there? Okay. I get it. <laughs> yep. That's good. That's a good one. Terrell sent that in. I said I was talking to Noah's ark and Terrell said, I got a good one here. Hit him up with this one. All right. Enough of the bad jokes. <laughs> That Noah, let's good. talk about casting for Spanish mackerel. And we're headed out the inlet. We're headed outside. And I think you said in our notes, like, what to look for. So when you're headed out there, how do you how do you plan that? I mean, I'm sure you already have a plan. But when you're headed out, what is it that you're mostly paying attention to? Well, mostly when I'm headed out and I, and I get out one of the two inlets, either Barden's Inlet or Beaufort Inlet, which is usually my my two go-to inlets that I'm going to be uh, running out of. And the next thing I am going to be checking out is if, you know, if I see a big um, pile of boats out in an area that normally wouldn't have that, you know, I'm going to know And I can head out there and check them out. Look for is um, in my area, a lot of the big charter boats will run their half-day Spanish trips out here. So if I if I see two 
uh, of the, the local charter boats, you know, they'll usually be doing a circle. I'll, you know, go check that out. But uh, mostly I'm looking for, you know, bird activity, feeding, um, fish busting, things like that. And the areas, I know the areas that I'm notoriously finding these fish at. Um, one of them is going to be, you know, around structure, be it submerged or a rock jetty. It's going to, uh, it's going to gather bait fish, um, the local artificial reefs and wrecks. They're also going to be a big draw for these fish for, you know, from Wilmington from area all the way up to my area, Cape Lookout and past. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, near shore artificial reefs. And um, anywhere that might get shallow, like the Cape Lookout Shoals in my area is a big place for them because the bait fish is going to gather up in those shallows. And you can find these bait fish on, you know, on a good calm day, you're going to see these big dark schools of uh, either glass minnows or the bay anchovies. You might see some sardines here and there, but it's going to be these big schools of bait. And the fish are just going to be tearing them apart. There's going to be a lot of bird activity on it, which in turn is going to bring all the boats in. So it's usually no big surprise as to where the fish are once you get out and start looking around. So, man, I've, I'll tell you an area where I am not strong, and it's like understanding different birds and what which birds give me the most confidence that there's fish underneath. You know, I mean, if they're plunging into the water, but what are, what are the birds? I mean, are you more versed in birds? What are the birds that get you most excited that Spanish mackerel should be here? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, that is that is a big deal. A lot of people will see um, different kinds of birds. You'll see pelicans and seagulls and terns and just all kind of stuff out there diving. And um, on these specific fish, I'm looking for like your small white terns and your seagulls, they're the ones that are going to be picking up the little scraps that these Spanish are just ripping up. If you see pelicans diving, gannets, things like that, that's usually not going to be Spanish mackerel. You know, I go right on by them. They're going to be on bigger fish. They're going to be, you know, feeding on your menhaden and things like that. So um, I'm, I'm looking for the seagulls, white terns, and uh, other small seabirds that are going to be uh, feeding on the small scraps that these fish are tearing up for sure. And what is the uh, what is the water temperature that you're sort of looking for that tells you like, man, you know, either any day it's going to kick in, or even the water temperature that says this is prime time for casting the Spanish. It's going to be water temperature is going to be high sixties to low to mid 70s you know we're going to start seeing spanish show up here in mid to late april you know give give or take a week this time period when you're out there hunting spanish you are going to see possibly some uh, atlantic bonita this time of the year and they feed on the same bait stir up the water the same and you might catch them together for sure but um, that's another species that you might see this spring. Um, but um, yeah, that that water temperature range is going to be, like I said, high 60s to, you know, in the low to mid 70s. 
is to me just about perfect. So, man, if I'm on your boat and we're headed out of Barnes or Beaufort Inlet, like, what is your plan? Is your plan like, you know what? Of course, if I see big charter boats, I might go that way. If I see a congregation of center consoles, I might go that way. If I see surf busting, uh, fish busting, or if I see birds working, then I'll go that way. But if I don't see anything, then my plan is to hit one of the spots you say sort of historically holds fish. Is that is that true? Yeah, what I'm going to do, like you said, if I'm headed out and I don't see any really hardcore bird action going on, I see a few boats trolling here and there. I might see a fish or two come in here or there, but there's they're scattered. And a lot of the folks that I get, they want to go casting to them. So I'm going to head on out basically till I find something that's good. And I can usually find a school of fish. Um, I'll either around, say, hit past Cape Lookout on the Cape Shoals. I'm going to check that area out good. Then I might head out to the area of AR-285. That's usually a really good place. There's a lot of wrecks out in there. Um, if I go in the to the west, you got AR-315, 320 as you get Atlantic Beach and down towards Pinal Shores. And in the Emerald Isle area, they got some really good nearshore structure and, and like rocky bottom and, and some ARs there as well. So they should be, um, you know, it's not far out of, uh, out of Bogue Inlet. So any of these, these artificial wrecks, artificial reefs. Um, and also, you know, another good thing is to, to be in contact with other people that are out there you know, that are in other places. So I always try to find out like ahead of time, you know, there's a, there's a few uh, different charter people that run out of here and um, just people in general, people I know that are good fishermen. Um, if I'm having a hard time uh, finding them that day, I'll call them, see what they're doing or they'll call me. Um, you know, sometimes I might have to leave Cape Lookout and head all the way over to Atlantic Beach. But uh, if the fish are there, that's where you got to go. So it, it helps to network. It really does. So man, are you, are you just moving until you visually see something that says this is a casting opportunity or will you pull up to one of those ARs and without seeing any surface activity or bird activity, just start casting? Like, how do you decide this is, do you, are you required seeing visual confirmation or will you do some exploratory casts? What I'll do usually if I'm having a real hard time and I just don't see any bird activity, um, I'll go to some of my known areas. And a lot of this has to do with tide too. Um, you know, certain, certain times on certain tides, and this is where being out there a lot, you get to figure things out. You know, if you're out there every day for a week, you're on to what's going on um you know i might get out there an hour early and say look you know right here an hour from now it's going to turn on somewhere in this half mile area but uh if i can't find anything what i'll usually do is i will uh i got a couple certain baits that i will throw over that are that are castable and trollable and i'll i'll drag a couple lines 
and see if we, you know, pick something up. If we start picking stuff up and we're not seeing them, that means they're just a little bit deeper. And then, then we know they're there and we can catch them. But um, what I'll throw first is, uh, or or drag one of them is, sorry about this, uh, it's a Yozuri. It's about two to two and a half inches long. It's a really good casting lure, but you can also troll it. As you can see, it's a shallow diver. So put this behind the boat and uh, I'll put another one out. This is a new bait that's just come out. I've been testing this for about a year. This is a, it's a Clark Spoon Dart. And this is, once again, this is a trollable and a castable lure. And they've just come out on the market with these. They just uh, introduced them. But, uh, and this comes with wire, comes with 40 pound camo wire, about three feet of it. But you can cast these both and troll them so what i'll do is i can't find any fish there's no bird to uh to get me enough to just really start casting aggressively i'll drag these for a little bit here and there around certain places that usually hold these fish and um once we start picking them up then i can just slow down we can start casting and you know if you're if you're trolling these you can just reel them in and start throwing them because you can use these either way but um Sometimes, you know, when you are having a little bit of a hard time finding, the birds aren't showing and the fish aren't showing real good, maybe they're a little deeper, um, this is a really good way to find them, you know. Just drag a couple white lines as soon as you start picking them up. And something else to think about, too, um, a lot of people say that you got to get out, you know, before daybreak or at daybreak. Um, I've been finding out that the Spanish bite seems to be better as the sun starts to get overhead a little bit. So say around 9, 9.30 in the morning, sometime around then is when I've been getting the best bites, actually, last, you know, last couple few years. I mean, you, you, uh, that was just the question I was going to ask about, was about time of day, about whether you thought it was important to get out there as early as possible or with sight casting, you know, or casting, you want the sun up a little bit. And so I guess I'm not surprised that you want the sun up a little bit. I mean, something you mentioned that I would love for you to touch a little bit more on. And, you know, I, I recognize as you do that this fishery happens up and down our North Carolina coast, but more specifically to your Barden Brown, uh, Beaufort Inlet, um, talk a little bit more about how tide affects the bite, because I can tell you, like, I rarely, when I head out on my boat to do a little casual Spanish fishing, I don't know that I'm thinking about tide. How, how does it affect where you are? It affects a lot. The tide has a lot to do with the bite. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of like us at 12 o'clock, you know, it's time to eat lunch. Once you get, and they'll feed on different tides. There's no set tide, but once you find that rhythm out there, and this is where, you know, time on the water, there's there's nothing that can make up for time spent on the water and figuring out patterns. But um, you know, when I when I find what tide they're feeding on, feeding on, and what time of that tide, I'll stick to it, and also time of day. Uh, Spanish don't seem to like it when the sun gets 
hot and really overhead they'll they'll feed in the morning hours and there's there's days that they'll feed all day but not usually and um they'll do it again in the evening you know in late afternoon and early evening they'll turn on again because and i think a lot of it has to do with the the food that they're feeding on it goes down and uh you know it goes down deep in the uh during the day when it gets hot you know and in, in the mornings and the evenings it comes back to the surface you know not that these fish might not feed during the day but they're feeding deep if they are but um to catch them casting on the top definitely you know in in the in the morning hours and in the at late afternoon the evening hours all right well man you covered a couple of baits for that will multitask you can throw them or you control them drag them behind the boat as like a search bait but if you're seeing activity so now we have found fish you have found what you've been looking for you've got that either bird surface activity and or fish service activity so when you know the casting is right what are you throwing then? Are you still throwing those same two baits or you got something else that you also put into the yeah, mix? I've got a host of baits that I use and I'll show you. I carry a one small tackle tray. I mean, you don't have to have a ton of baits. So you've seen, you've seen this guy, the Yuzuri, and um, I'll just kind of go through what I, uh, what i use but these uh the clark spoon dart comes in these two what leather uh and it comes you know in a couple other different colors besides those two but um that's a really good those two are the two that you can cast or troll you know so in trolling it that's what i call a kind of like a fish finding rig now we got a, a new a new bait that's out by clark spoon one that also i've been testing and this is a weighted spoon it comes with an uh a powder coated egg weight in front it's a weighted castable clark spoon and this thing right here just will hammer the spanish and in different weights this is an eighth ounce and it goes up to uh like quarter ounce three eighths this is a bigger version of it and for those that might look for this it's the uh it's the one in the blue package something to look for this spring you'll start to see them out but like i said these are really good baits i've been testing these for about a year now and um getting it you know fine-tuned and they really catch spanish really good um a couple other baits that i use are this one is very popular it's been out a long time this is the sea striker jig fish and half ounce i really like this comes in a lot of different colors it's heavy you can cast it a long distance which means you don't have to get right up on the schools of fish you can hit them first away which makes a difference on whether they're going to stick around or not um another really good bait is this this is made by salty bay baits it's what i call a glass minnow and um here's the package you can uh, find these online they're really good it is a soft bait 
but you get probably 20 in a package and they catch Spanish incredible as well. And uh, one last thing that I like to use is the, the trusty gotcha plug. I like this one with the bucktail, the hair on the end of it. Works really good. Been around for a long time. Um, now, some people are going to say, well, you know, which one are you using? What I do is I pretty much carry all of these and I'll, I'll keep three or four or maybe six rods rigged all different with all of these things rigged up because they all catch Spanish really well. But one day to the next, one school to the next, they might be feeding on something a little bigger, a little smaller. They may like the look of something different. But one thing that I can't stress enough, no matter what you're throwing, whether it's any of these or something else that you like better, which there's plenty of, there's, there's no limit to the tackle that's out there these days. But um, something to think about, if you're trolling for Spanish, the, about the average good trolling speed is around six knots to catch these fish. If you're going much slower, you're either not going to catch anything or you're going to get bluefish. Um, if you're casting to these, you got to try to match that six knot speed. If you're going slower, you're going to see Spanish. They're going to come. They'll follow that bait right to the boat and they'll turn away every time. It's not going fast enough for them and they know something about it that they just don't like. Um, and there are a lot of people that that'll start happening on the boat. And I say, look, increase your speed on the reel and they'll hook up immediately. The, the speed matters in this in this um, fishery. They, they like it fast. And another thing that when you're casting, I'll always flip my bail before it hits the water and start reeling. So when that bait hits the water, it's already moving. It's like a fish that jumped, lands in the water, and it's going. If you cast out, you let it sink, you take a few seconds to flip the bale, and then you start reeling, you're going to get less hookups that way. Because they see that. That bait hits the water and it's moving, you're going to get good hookups that way. You're going to probably half again is better than, than uh, if you're doing things slow. And uh, another thing is... You know, when you come up on a school of fish, people tend to get really excited, myself included. But um, a lot of people get so excited that they either overthrow the fish or they they throw in a different direction. Just, you know, don't get so excited that you mess things up. Because a lot of times these fish are only going to be up for, you know, a few seconds to a few minutes. And they're going to be gone. You're going to have to go find another school, wait for them to come back up. So make that cast count, you know, make a good cast and make a good speedy retrieve. And, um, you know, using some of these baits or the baits that you like, try to uh, match what they're feeding on. You know, if they're feeding on anchovies or glass minnows, you know, the, a lot of times they're spitting up these baits. You can see how small they are. And that, that's what I try to do. I try to match about the size of bait that they're feeding on. All right. So that was a lot of information. And man, I got some follow-up questions. Like, no, this is good. I, I like trying to manage a lot of information. 
So first, if I'm going back to your list of baits, the jig fish is probably what you get the most distance out of. Is that right? Like as far as if distance is the deal? Correct. Yeah, it, it's going to, you know, size for weight, it's going to cast the farthest. Correct. And then, so what else from your list casts almost as far? If if you are concerned about distance, what else in that list can you get out there pretty far? You can get, okay, so the Clark Spoon, um, with the, the weighted Clark Spoon, you can cast out a pretty good distance as well. It comes in different weights. The Clark Spoon darts, you can cast those at a pretty good distance. And the gotcha plug as well. It's got some weight to it. It's got a lead head on it. You know, um, the soft plastic Salty Bay glass minnow, you're going to have to put a, a jig head on that. And what I've got here is a quarter ounce, but you can put a half ounce to it just as good and you can cast it further. There's ways to uh, to get your casting. And, you know, that's that's good to mention because you don't want to... For one, you don't want to go through the school of fish. You don't want to drift through them. You want to come up to them and pull back and just kind of drift within 20 or 30 yards of them. Because these things, you can cast these farther than you think, especially with light tackle. And, you know, you got in the 12 pound braid, it casts pretty easy. And uh, you can you can hit these fish. This is pretty close quarters fishing. Um, something right. else that I would like to mention real quick, and this goes right along with the lures, is the leader that you're using matters a lot. Um, you don't want to use too uh, light of a leader because they'll cut it. You know, either being pulling on it or they, you know, they got they got teeth. You're going to lose some tackle anyway. But what I use, I use this here, the P line. Um, fluorocarbon 30 pound and the reason I use the P line is uh, fluorocarbon is naturally a pretty stiff it has a has a lot of memory to it and if you get the cheaper fluorocarbon the your knots will come untied because it, it like I said it's got a, a memory to it but the P line they use uh, Japanese fluorocarbon and it's a lot softer and the knots cinch down um more like mono and you know if you don't have fluorocarbon just just go with a good 25 to 30 pound mono and uh, you should be fine all right if i'm still going back to your list of baits to throw so with the glass minnow the soft plastic and the gotcha right. plug like those aren't a steady retrieve just at six knots, but but the others are a steady retrieve. So is that correct? Like the deep diver, Clark spoon dart, weighted spoon, and jig fish, that's all just a steady retrieve trying to match the six knot mark. And then what's the action, if any, you put on the glass minnow soft plastic or the gotcha plug? The action that you're putting on them, I mean, you can give them a, a you know, a little bit of 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 uh, jerks as you reel, but you just want to you want to really burn it in. That bait needs to look like it's trying to get away from them at a pretty high rate of speed. And the faster it goes, 
the harder they're going to chase it and hit it. You know, all these baits, I do this. I, you know, I tell people to rip it, you know, just rip it in. Um, there's no real action that you put on it like you would say trout fishing or fishing a mirror lure. It's not, not like that. This, you want to put some speed behind it. Okay. And then my other question about casting, and I follow what you said about not letting the boat get into the school or get too close to the school. But I always have this question about casting, especially when you're seeing busting fish. So if I'm up in the bow of your boat and we see our target and I've, you are cleared me to let it rip. So is my goal to throw it over the school and bring it right through the middle of the school? Is it to throw it, bring it right past the school? If it's moving left to right, to the right in front of the school, as it moves through it, you know, or can I land my bait right in the middle of them and, and hope for action there? Like, how do you, how do you coach me on your boat? I would say that the best approach would be to either hit the edges or throw it completely over the school and bring it through. But I mean, yes, there's times when you can drop it right in the middle of the school and on the first splash you're hooked up because they're sometimes they're feeding so aggressive that it doesn't matter but i tend to like them to see it coming and try to get by them you know so to me throwing through the school or hitting the the edges and and bringing it past you know something like that i like uh i like to see it uh see them see it coming the one thing that does happen is if you're bringing it through the middle of the school or you throw into the middle of the school either way if you hook up you're in possibly thousands of really feeding fish and the chance of getting cut off is huge so if you can pick them off around the uh the edges you got a much better chance of, of getting them to the boat so that the, the other ones don't just cut it off for sure. All right. And then, uh, so one of the questions I like to ask, uh, you know, in this situation is from your vantage point, what is it that people need to make sure they don't do after the hookup and before the boat is, before the fish is in the boat? Or what is it they want to make sure they do correctly? And was it they want to make sure they avoid between hookup and fish in the boat? okay the uh the biggest thing that i see people do wrong is put slack in the line let that fish get a little bit of slack because and this goes for just about any fish but they're pulling hard and they're fighting therefore that hook is possibly wearing a big hole in its mouth so it could be that the only reason for that fish staying on the hook is him pulling one way and you pulling the other and that's what gets them in the boat. Um, a lot of Spanish and bigger fish, they get, and as they get near the boat, they're going to put the heat on. You know, they're going to fight hard at first anyway, but when they get by the boat, they really pour it on. And uh, that's where a lot of fish are lost. So I, you know, tell people, look, just do not drop that rod tip. Keep the tension on it. You don't want to pull them too hard. Or you can pull the hook out, but just, you know, keep, keep a good tension on the rod, keep the rod tip up and, and don't, uh, don't give them any slack, you know, 
don't get too excited and and uh and mess up opportunity and and hey there's always those that get lucky and get away everybody loses a big one so man uh this again if we're focusing on springtime and not talking about the fall where you know it comes right back again so remind right. me again like the water temperature that gives you confidence and then wh how warm does it get when you start to say man this is now more of a trolling activity and i might try to look at other other species like what is that what is that prime spring window from your vantage point usually our prime window is going to be somewhere like i said about the middle to the end of may it can vary for water temperature and food source and to me it's probably more food than anything when that bait when those schools of bait move in those spanish are on them and it usually lasts until about somewhere around the first of June, give or take a week. And as that water temperature starts to warm, you're still going to catch Spanish throughout the summer. But the schools of them feeding, just a big frenzy of it will start to taper off. And, you know, midsummer through like maybe the first of September is usually trolling. You know, not that you won't come across some schools sometimes you know, that you can cast on for sure. But that's, to me, that's usually prime time is up from about, like I say, mid to late April, so somewhere around the 1st of June. And then it'll happen again in the fall, you know, as the water cools off again, so. So man, what, uh, and this is another one of my go-to questions. So what is it about casting the Spanish that I haven't set you up, that I haven't asked a question about, or, you know, something in your mind that, you might have thought already like i wish i had mentioned that what else in the sort of like wrapping up our conversation on casting in spanish might be important to get out in this podcast we pretty much covered everything just the, the two things that i would uh to me that are really important that i just i can't stress enough just because i see some of my own clients that um you know they might not be from this area well they're not you know they'll come from upstate or out of state and they're just not used to this but as you're going to pull up to a school i see a lot of people bust these schools up with a boat they just they get so excited they want to get right on top of them don't do that just you know stay on the outskirts and pick them off and the rate of retrieval. I can't stress enough how important it is to really burn it to the boat. You know, it's um, it's it's the old predator and prey thing that you know when that the predator wants his his quarry even more, the faster and harder it tries to get away. So. They want it fast for sure. If that if it's not pulled fast, they'll check it out and they'll follow it, but they won't hit it. So that's that's definitely a uh, a big deal, I think. If I'm looking for near five pound or five pound plus Spanish mackerel on the cast, when's my best chance for that to happen? I would think, truthfully. You might see some, or you will see some in the in the in the early spring. But to me, the biggest Spanish are going to be in the late fall. 
catch them on the cast. You know, and they're not hard to catch. You just, that's when the big fat ones are really running. And, um, you know, right now they've been offshore. They're a little bit, you know, you're going to catch them just as long, but they're coming in to get fat right now. You'll catch some big ones in the spring, but to me, the biggest ones are caught casting in the fall. Okay, and then I got one more question. Now, this is tailored more for Noah uh, Noah Link, because I know, and I, I mean this in a positive way, man, you are good with your sponsors. I mean, you've already talked about how you like to product test. So it's not just, hey, if someone will give me something for free, I'm going to use it. You are, you you have these sponsor relations. And so I'm going to give you yeah. a chance here at the end of the podcast. Got any other sponsors we're going to plug in the Noah's Link podcast? Well, I mean, uh, the line that I use, I use Finn's Braid. Um, I, I like the Wind Tamer version of it. It's uh, it's really good. Um, but I just, you know, I like to thank all my sponsors, and I don't have time here to do it. But, um, you know, my success depends a whole lot upon the gear, all of it that I have, be it the rods, you know, star rods, the reels I use. Um, flyers, you know, everything plays a role in the success that that uh, that, you, that you have, you know. But well, no, that thank everybody who has uh, back. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, man. And again, I've, I've enjoyed your sponsor relationships at the Moorhead fishing school, man. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got guys that take care of you. So I just wanted to right. sort of open that up. And, uh, and again, it comes from hard work and, you know, you serve them. You don't just have your hand out. Hey, uh, Noah, this has been a good talk, man. I've enjoyed yeah, talking about casting Spanish and stuff. Yeah. Man, uh, yep, my final sure. question to Great you to, is being on the show. Well, my final question to you is when you're not casting for Spanish, what do you transition to in the summertime? In the summertime, if people want to go casting, um, and, and I love to do it myself, if they want to go and really get in on some, some, uh, some really good action, I like to get out um, on the shoals on a nice day, albeit, but um, I like to throw uh, – either metal or top water plugs, things like that for, for the, uh, we get a bunch of big bluefish that come in here and they, you know, four pounds and up. And, uh, it's a ton of fun. So to me, if that's, if they want to get in on action, if they've got kids, you know, that want to have a really good time action, that's what I'll try to go look first anyway, you know, before we move back inside and something else. Those, uh, the big bluefish, uh, you can't beat it, I don't think. Well, right on, Noah, man. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your expertise. And uh, always appreciate my time with you, man. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Gary. You got it, Noah. Billy, what do you think there, man? Are You, you got what you need to go casting for Spanish? Yeah, man. Got a lot of good rate information. So, um, as always, these episodes are really good to get you get you fired up, get you motivated. So, a couple of takeaways. I actually got a, a couple of them here for you, Gary. The first one <laughs> is uh, flip your bell and start reeling before the bait hits the water, before your, before your lure hits the water. 
I thought that was like a genius thing I've never thought of. So I'm like, all right, that's easy enough. Easy action to, you know, take action on pretty upfront, pretty quick, pretty quick. And the other thing is these Spanish mackerel like their like their food like I like my food, fast and furious. So faster <laughs> it is the better. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the analogy that I liked yeah. is he's saying, Hey man, when you're trolling, you're trolling at six knots. So when you're retrieving it kind of makes sense that if you're in control of the boat speed and it's six and you're in control of the retrieve speed, then try to hit that six number again. I thought that was yeah. just a very logical and simplistic way to sort of get across, you know, the concept of speed of the retrieve. I thought, I thought that was sharp. Yeah, man, it was good. A lot of good information in that. That's definitely worth a, um, a watch and a rewatch for sure to take some good notes on there. So, uh, once again, appreciate our sponsors for making this episode possible. We've got Marine Warehouse Center, so be sure to go support them, both in the Wilmington area, also in the Charleston area. And then if you are watching um, from anywhere in the world and you want something, need something, uh, reach out to them. They might be able to, to package it up real nice and ship it to you. So, And then Bland Landscaping Co., once again, looking for a career-minded individuals that are passionate about the outdoors, want to be to work early, get off work early, and be with their family, friends, water, on the water, camping, all that fun stuff, man. All the stuff that we enjoy doing. So that's And you're welcome. Passion. You're welcome to call them for service too. I mean, you know, if you sure, like doing yeah. business with yeah. a quality organization, an organization that takes care of its people, yeah. I mean, I know I like that too. So, I mean, their relationship with us is specifically about attracting talent to the workforce. That doesn't mean they won't take a call and say, hey, man, talk to me about yard <laughs> yeah. maintenance. Man, True. they'll take that call too. Yeah, and, and they- uh, and they do a ton of stuff here. I mean, some of the stuff is unbelievable. Uh, some of the projects on their website that they they do it's it's way beyond landscaping. As my pea brain was thinking of it. So, but but maybe you want to do yard work and you don't want to take the boat out this weekend. So maybe yeah, you don't probably. call them. Maybe you just want to spend the weekend in the yard listening to podcasts <laughs> and not being on the water, employing the tactics you've learned in the podcast. I don't know. I mean, either way, either way. These two sponsors will really take care of you. Anything you want to do, they got you covered. They do, man. <laughs> and, and even entertaining. Go ask Terrell for a joke. Be sure to do that as well. All right, Gary. Man, it's been a great episode, and I uh, can't wait to the next one. So we'll see you then.